the also extend uh, to all our mothers uh, the very best to you and expressing our love and gratitude and uh, how indebted we are to you in our lives. Uh, you know, as, you th as I think of life, life is a way uh, of sometimes allowing us to have a really great start and then run into some really challenging times. Uh, you know, think about it. Think of the promotion that you got at work and you so wanted that promotion. And uh, at, at, uh, when you got it, uh, you were so pleased. Uh, people saw you as their boss, and you had this this kind of uh, prestige. You had more money, and all the rest of it. But with that also came more responsibility, more hours, more stress. And and some some of you have gone through that. No, you you wonder whether it was worth it. You started out really well, and then things got tough. How about the marriage that promised so much that that fairy tale? Uh, forever after kind of love that you thought you'd have and it is somewhere along the line it's turned into a nightmare and, and the pressure is so great and and the, and the life together is so challenging and frustrating and there's such angst and something went wrong somewhere along the line or the or the the person who got onto the team and then had that uh, season-ending injury. Life can start well, and it doesn't always stay well. And sometimes it's that way in our spiritual life, when we, we, we start out so well, and then there's some things that come into our life that really cram us and make life difficult for us. And we have trouble uh, figuring that all out. Sometimes that happens in the church, and in the early church, when the church began on the day of Pentecost, it began with a bang. It began in a spectacular way. Everything seemed to be going so well. Jesus was alive. He had conquered death. He was victorious. He defeated the cross and had the victory of the resurrection. And he's on our side. And the question was that for the early apostles is, wow, um, because Jesus is resurrected from the dead, is he going to now establish the kingdom and will be his, uh, his right-hand man as he, he takes control of the whole world? And the, the disciples were jumping with enthusiasm at the prospect of that. And Jesus said, you know, it's not for you to know the times and the days. Just do as you're supposed to do, as I'm calling you to do. And so Jesus returns to heaven, and he pours out in abundance the Holy Spirit. And Peter uh, gets up and preaches his first sermon. And 3,000 people become followers of Jesus Christ. They're baptized that very day. You couldn't want for a better church, a more healthy church, a happy church, a church that was known in the community, a church with a high level of community approval. In fact, when they said, Church of Jerusalem, what do you think? Rate it. Uh, out of five stars. It was like five stars out of five stars. Everybody talked so well about it. And... Uh, so they were growing. There were 3,000, and they were continuing to grow, in fact, daily. There was like, it was like a bull market for the church, like a runaway train. And on, on that time that Peter and John went uh, to the 
uh, temple to pray, there was the lame man there. And uh, Peter and, and John extended to him, said, we don't have silver and gold, but what we have we give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Stand up and walk. And he stands up and the crowd goes nuts and they join everywhere. And Peter preaches his second sermon. And now we get uh, uh, an understanding that now the, the number has grown to 5,000 men alone without women and children. And uh, when you thought it would never end, when things were at, at the apex, the church's existence, well, there were some challenges they had to face. There was some opposition, some trouble, some hostility. It, it kind of reminds me of that old song uh, by Mary Hopkin. Those were the days, my friend, we thought they'd never end. We'd sing and dance forever and a day. We'd live the life we choose. We'd fight and never lose, for we were young and sure to have our way. We th this, this, this is going to go on forever. Well, there was a rude awakening, um, and we're going to track with some experiences in the early church between Acts 4 and Acts 8, and you say, that, that's a lot of Scripture. Um, and I'm going to try and just touch some highlights through there and, and let us see something about this. Five different challenges that the early church experienced. And the first one was this. It was opposition from an unlikely source. Opposition from an unlikely source. Um, when, the man lay, when the lame man was healed, the crowds thronged to hear Peter speak. And on the heels of this joyous healing of the man, well, there was some people that weren't rejoicing. Well, the general public was ecstatic. Um, here, the religious leaders balked at that. Uh, the people should have been, the people who should have been the most overjoyed at this, the people who, who should have seen this amazing miracle as from God and, and God's Messiah was here and, and all of that kind of thing. Uh, the ones who knew Bible prophecies, the one who should have been able to identify Jesus and have seen the fulfillment of all these things, they were greatly disturbed. They're furious and they throw Peter and John into a jail. And the next day they haul them out and uh, bring them before the Sanhedrin, their, their high court. And uh, they want to know and demand to know on what power did they ex uh, or name did they do this in. And Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit and he replies, it's by the name of Jesus Christ in Nazareth whom you crucified but whom God raised from the dead that this man now stands before you healed. Uh, these religious leaders are bamboozled. Uh, the formerly lame man is standing there for all to see. There was nothing they could say. The, the people saw this as a great miracle. And uh, the courage of Peter and John are on display. And this was so incredible. This is, this is Peter. This is Peter who, when the, little, uh, when the little servant girl said to me, to him, um, aren't you one of his followers? 
Uh, you, you've got a Galilean accent, aren't you? And he says, he starts cursing and swearing. I never knew Jesus. And, and so here they are now in, in the place where Jesus was put to death uh, under the leaders who did that. And Peter and John are, are displaying this incredible courage as they stand there, and not only admitting that they know Jesus, but everything that's seen or done in him is through Jesus. And uh, so they were hauled, uh, they were unrelenting in their uh, 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 insistence that the religious leaders had killed the Messiah. They, he hung that on them. Well, in Acts 4 and verse 18 and following, he says, they, they called them in again and commanded them not to speak speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, judge for yourself whether it's right in God's eyes to obey you rather than God, for we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. And after these uh, further threats, they let them go. They couldn't decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Now, you would have thought that the disciples would have wilted under this kind of pressure. Uh, what do you do when you're threatened like that? What do you do when the people who killed your leader, your master, are, are breathing down your neck and threatening you and telling you, don't you dare go back and, and spread any more stuff about Jesus? Uh, but they were wrong if they thought they'd lost their fortitude and uh, so what they did was they called a prayer meeting. And in the prayer meeting, the church got together and they said, Lord, you know the threats they've got against us. And they anchored themselves in the Old Testament of what Jesus as uh, God as ruler would be. And, uh, and uh, they prayed. They didn't pray, Lord, take away this tough stuff that's going on. They prayed, help us to, be, to go right back out there and uh, to share the good news help us not to to succumb to their pressure and and, and incre incredibly what happens is god she, the place was filled with the holy spirit and and the place was shaken and they went right back out in front of all of those leaders and began to continue to tell the message and and the problem was with the religious establishment um, Jesus had exposed them. They were filled with jealousy. They were afraid that their prestige, that their recognition, uh, that their honor that should be theirs would be forfeited to this ragtag bunch uh, and group of Jesus followers who've grown in popularity. And the apostles would not relent. They persisted in sharing the gospel in spite of that. In fact, they went right, right back out and did it, and so the religious leaders hauled them all in and put them in prison over the night, all 12 apostles. Uh, with that, um, during the night, an angel came and let them out and told, him, uh, told them to go and uh, continue to preach this good news. Tell them about this new way of life. And I'm thinking, thanks. 
They put us in jail. They want to kill us. And you're telling us to go back out right in front of the same people and continue doing it. And our very lives will be in peril. The leaders were shocked to find the jail empty the next morning. And so they feared the people would stone them. So they were very careful in how they brought them out. They hauled them out again in front of the Sanhedrin, the, the high court, and questioned them. Uh, and they stood their ground. And they blamed the religious leaders uh, for what, uh, what had happened. And uh, what happens is uh, they decided, well, we, we'll let them go because we're afraid of the people, but we're going to make it tough on them first. And so they, they, ha they had a, a, like a, a, a cat of nine tails that they whipped the people with. Thank you. Uh, they, uh, they bloodied their backs and their, and their chests, and then they sent them out. And it's, it's incredible uh, what they did. In, in uh, Acts 5, 41 and 42, uh, we read this. Further threat, uh, the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. How incredible is that? Like you couldn't stop them. Um, a number of years ago, we had a, a neighbor, and we had shared with him the good news of Jesus. And it was such a, an, an incredible thing that he put his faith and his trust in Jesus Christ. And he was so excited about his newfound faith and this new relationship with God. His sins were forgiven. He had a, a vital relationship with Christ. And he, but, but what he wasn't prepared for was some hostility that would come his way by at the hands of his own wife. Um, she was not prepared. Uh, he was not prepared for that. And it was confusing for him because his wife was a churchgoer. His wife was a Sunday school teacher and she was hiding his Bible and not pleased with he'd made a, that he'd made a commitment to Christ. And sometimes we, we get thrown a curve Sometimes we can't understand when we're living for Christ. We have opposition, and sometimes that opposition comes, as we said before, uh, through people that we wouldn't imagine. Well, challenges for the church don't always present themselves externally. Sometimes the problem is internal. And we're not perfect people as Christians. We're prone to err. We're prone to fail and to sin. And so we have in, uh, in Acts chapter 5 the next sign. And that is the problem that they had in the church was internal sin. The church was a model church in so many ways. The love and kindness they demonstrated to one another was a, was a powerful testimony uh, to the love that they had. And one of their guys, Barnabas, he, uh, he has a, 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 sees a need for the people. He has a piece of property. He sells the property. He brings the property, gives it to the apostles so that it can be used for food to help the, the people who were needy. And, uh, and everybody who saw that just lauded him for what he'd done. And uh, so it was... Uh, it was 
Ananias and Sapphira, who saw the accolades that came the way of Barnabas, and so they decided to cook up a scheme. They, they decided, well, we'll sell a piece of property too, and we'll make a gift of part of the proceeds, not the whole thing, but we're going to make like we gave everything. And um, they were looking for praise. They were looking to be in the limelight, to be noticed, to be admired. And, and the problem was that God revealed to Peter what had gone on in, in this behind the scenes. And, and so we have here in Acts chapter 5 uh, what happens. Uh, Peter says to Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received from the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think you could do such a thing? You have not lied to men, but to God. At this Ananias falls over dead in front of them, and the young men take them out and bury him. About three hours later, his wife comes along, and Peter says to him, um, is this the amount you got for the property? And she says, oh yeah, that's the amount we got. And, and Peter says, how do you dare to lie to God? Those who, who just took your husband out because he died are going to take you out too. She falls over and, and uh, dies of the same thing. The purity of the church is critical to the health of the church. Here is lying, here is deceit, here's hypocrisy, here's a lack of integrity. Left to uh, its, its uh, moral corruption, the church would not, uh, would not continue to thrive and be healthy. It, it, would, it would break down. And to protect God's church, God judged that sin. And the fear of God came on all the people. Uh, I am thankful that God does not always respond in this way. But we need to understand that sometimes the attack against the church is not from outside, but it's from inside. And in that can be sin that we uh, engage in and, and corrupt the church. Well, there was another threat uh, in, internally as well. And it was division and strife on the inside. Again, we've got the pressure from the outside and we've got pressure from the inside. And in this division and strife, Jesus wanted to identi identify his people by virtue of the love and care they had for one another. And while they did a phenomenal job in that, we saw how they, testimony after testimony, how wonderfully they cared for each, each other. Even sometimes the church, we don't do what we should do. And uh, when it, wherever there are people, there are people problems too. And, and so here we have this situation where we have uh, some, uh, some kind of problems uh, that are, are spawned through the Hebrew Jews uh, were getting more food and there was some Greek Jewish widows and they were not getting food. And so there was started to be murmuring and infighting and bickering about how things were happening and how it was unfair for certain widows. And, and sometimes it is success that spawns difficulty. I mean, they'd grown so much, there was pressure on the, 
the food distribution. And um, so it can, it can rub people the wrong way and people are hurt and people are angry and there's stuff going on. And this is going to threaten the church. And, and so there is in that this murmuring discontentment and strife at the heart of it is probably some racism. You've got the Hebraic Jews, they're there, but the Jews came from all over the world, and so they came from different cultures, and they spoke different languages, and they came to do their religious duty, but they were treated differently. And that beautiful harmony that the church had that, that was now splintering and coming apart, and this resulted in the leaders having to deal with this crisis. Uh, they were pulled off their priorities. They, they were to minister the word of God. And, and they were to pray. That was the focus of what they had to do. And now they're uh, having to deal with this problem. They're feeding the widows. And, and the problem is that they had a different calling. And, and this is going to hold them back. So they, they formulated a plan. They said, you choose seven people full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom and give them leadership to deal with this problem. And so they put that out to the people and the people thought it was a good idea. And uh, they actually uh, came together and found seven men uh, who were full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom. And uh, they gave them that responsibility. It's kind of fascinating to me to see, and, and uh, uh, thank you, Julia, who read the scripture, all the names of the people that they chose were Greek names. And so I think there's some, uh, some uh, uh, wisdom in, in the choosing even of those seven people. Uh, and they chose seven outstanding men who would take this over. And God would continue to be honored and the unity of the church would be preserved. Well, we go from there and uh, if a little persecution doesn't work, maybe more persecution will work. And, and so uh, in Acts chapter 6 and verse 8 and following into chapter 8, uh, we see this persecution escalating to martyrdom. And, and here's, what, here's what happens. Um, Stephen, okay, this is a guy who's chosen to work for Master's Pantry, so to speak, to feed people, to take care of that. But to show the level of commitment of, of the leaders they chose, uh, here is Stephen. And uh, he is performing miracles. He's preaching and teaching, and he engages a group of people who don't like what he's teaching. And, and uh, so uh, St Stephen uh, so beautifully articulates the faith and, and lays it out in such a wonderful way that they couldn't argue against him and that just angered them. And, and so they took him, having lost the argument, if you will, and they're full of rage, they stoned him. Can you imagine the terrible death to, to, be de to be put to death by stoning? People are stoning, pelting you with rocks until you succumb. And, um, and so he, here, is, here is Stephen. Uh, let me just read what, what uh, he says uh, uh, about him. He said, when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. 
But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand. You know, it's interesting. Here's the only time that we find Jesus standing at the right hand. He's not seated beside the Father. And I think his love and his compassion and his care and in his work to uh, mediate this situation is standing and watching this, his child being uh, stoned. And, and listen to what, listen to what uh, Stephen says. Look, he says, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And they couldn't hack this. So while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Have you heard that before from a man on the cross? Lord, do not hold the sin against them. Have you heard those words from somebody on a cross? And when he said this, he fell asleep. And Saul was there giving approval to his death. Opposition now goes to the level of being killed. And the church mourned. You can imagine how, how this guy was loved and how the church mourned uh, and, and were so uh, challenged by this and so hurt by this. And you'd think, well, that should stop them. Uh, but no, they won't be stopped by that. You see, we go on further, and now there's a full-scale persecution breaking out. Uh, the full-scale uh, persecution happens in Acts chapter 8 and, and 1 to 3. Listen to as I read. On that day, the very day that Stephen was stoned, a great persecution bro broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria, and godly men buried Stephen and mourned for him. But Saul began to, to destroy the church. Here, uh, here we see in the heels of this, the, uh, the disciples, the followers of Christ, were caused to spread. But here's the thing. They didn't, the, the apostles stayed in Jerusalem. The other ones were, were scattered in Judea and in Samaria. Hey, where have we heard that before? Where have we heard that the gospel, they would be witnesses to the gospel in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth? And what were they doing? They were staying in Jerusalem. So God has a way of moving us out. Jesus has a way of, of directing us when we're not doing what he wants us to do. And it was through that persecution uh, that the whole church being persecuted went into, would you believe it, all Judea and Samaria. And, and uh, he will continue to cause them to move out. And here's the thing. Those who went out, who were scattered, preached the word everywhere they went. So the, here are the lay people who are going out, and now they're preaching the word, which, which before it was the apostles primarily. And, and so do you remember what Jesus said to them before? He said, uh, he said this. He said... Um, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not uh, be able to oppose it. It would not overcome it. Now, if you know anything about battle, if, if you have uh, uh, these uh, doors or these gates, that's not an offensive weapon. 
That is a defensive weapon of Satan to keep people in. And, and he's got them in, in these gates. They're gated. They're, they're, they're held back. And, and uh, Jesus said, but the gates of hell that are trying to protect them uh, will, uh, will not overcome. He'll smash down the gates and he'll rescue people. And, and here is Jesus, the builder. Uh, but what about the challenges and the problems and the opposition? Now, Jesus will build his church, he said, and all of hell will not be able to stop him. And we've seen really there are three attacks upon the church. There was, there's the attack from Satan on physical violence. And we saw them escalate that more and more. Oh, you know what? You didn't respond to this. Well, we give you a beating. And you didn't respond to this. We'll kill somebody. And you didn't respond to this. We'll open it up wider. And we'll be, we'll be chasing these guys uh, all over. But here's the thing. The church... Uh, they went from house to house. They dragged men and women off and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word everywhere they went. The church thrived in spite of this. Physical violence and then the sin, uh, uh, sinful lifestyle and misplaced priorities. Because if they, if they could have gotten the, the leaders to stop preaching and teaching and praying and, and have them merely doing the, uh, the food supply, they'd stop what was happening. And so these are things that had to be corrected. And, and now I want you to hear what happens. Listen, listen now as, as I go through these things and, and the response that comes. The church thrived in spite of challenges and opposition. In Acts 4.4, many who heard the message believed and the number of men grew to about 5,000. Wow. Uh, what about when somebody is drops dead because Ananias and Sapphira had, had violated um, and, and lied to the Holy Spirit? And we find out that there was the fear of God fell upon them and the whole community heard about this and they took it seriously. No one dared join them. Would you join a group where if you sinned, you might die for it? But even though no one dared to, they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, in light of, uh, in spite of all of that, nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Incredible. Well, let's go on to... Uh, to uh, Acts chapter 6, in verse 1, it says, In those days, the number of the disciples was increasing... They couldn't stop it. Well, well what, about, what happened with that disunity and, and uh, the problems they had with the, the widows getting their food? Well, what happens was they, they fixed it. And so the word of God spread and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Whoa, this is happening all in the midst of problems and trouble. And then we go to Acts 8. And those who'd been scattered preached wherever they went. They couldn't stop them. How do we, how do we keep this up? How do we keep it? Well, we, first, don't be surprised if you have 
uh, some, some problems that come your way as a Christian. You think, I didn't, I didn't know I'd, that I'd have to deal with something like that. Well, you may well had to, uh, have to, and the early church didn't. Don't be surprised with it. The enemy's going to try to discourage us and knock us out of the faith. In 1 Peter uh, 4, 12 and 13, he says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering as though something strange were happening to you. This, don't be surprised by this. Jesus said that they hated him, they'll hate you, that there may be repercussions for your faith. Nah, but rejoice that you have per participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Be courageous, hang with the faith. Christ is building his church. The gates of hell cannot overcome it. And, and so we see in midst of opposition, we see growth in the church. Be, live holy and righteous lives and virtuous. Pray, that's what they did. They prayed when they had problems. And they didn't pray, just stop it. They said, pray for us to stay strong in our faith. And stay in community. We need one another in community, and, and we need to stay in that place. We can't do it alone, and in the end, we'll win. See, God is sovereign, and sometimes, sometimes what he does is he takes and, and directs and guides his will, even through difficult circumstances in our life. And we're talking about how would we be a church that, that will be turning the world upside down? Well, it'll start with us being committed to him and, and recognizing there can be problems and difficulties and challenges. And see, sometimes uh, what it is, is is our problems become God's means of growing us and growing his church. God is sovereign. Have you heard that theme in the, in the songs we have been singing? Uh, that th though there are challenges, God is still sovereign. Jesus still is on his throne. And uh, we go from, from this to victory to growth, all because Jesus has uh, continued to live and, and to pour his life into his followers through the Holy Spirit to accomplish his purpose. And so I want to encourage you to keep going and, and, and not be discouraged when challenges and tough things go your way. Um, God, Jesus, will lead us to that place of victory. Father, we thank you so much for what has happened and the record we have of what you have done for your church Lord, we know that uh, churches and individuals go through difficult times. We thank you uh, that those are opportunities for us to be faithful to you and to see you pour out your spirit and, and to see the wonderful things that you do and you grow your church and nothing can stop that. Thank you that we are on that side and I pray that you'll help us to stay faithful to all of those things in Christ's name, amen.